For those of you that are joining us tonight, we welcome you if it's your first time. Welcome. For those of you online, we welcome you tonight as well. We usually have about 29 different countries joining us, and we're glad that you're able to join us online. I want to take a quick moment and just acknowledge our brother Miguel Munez. Are the pastors here, pastor, with us? Okay. We have 20 pastors here tonight from Honduras. Yes. We're glad you're with us tonight, and we we are really just want to encourage you and celebrate with you. This week, Honduras dedicated their embassy here in Jerusalem. Amen. They're the fourth country to do this, and we are just, we're so grateful to have you as part of our community, Pastor, and then we're also just... We want to celebrate with you and congratulate you. We want to congratulate the Honduran president, Juan Orlando Hernandez, and all of the people of Honduras on this. We pray that this will bring blessings to you and to your nation and to your people. Amen. Amen. So welcome tonight. I want to take one more moment if I can. Tonight, we also, this is the fourth thing. <clears throat> Today at five o- three o'clock, we released our third song as part of King of Kings worship. Uh, we released a song called Dwell. If you haven't had a chance to see it, it's on our YouTube channel. It released today at 3 o'clock. And we're really just grateful. I'm grateful for this team of musicians and people that I get to work with and just enjoy uh, writing songs and, and singing praise to the Lord. So I'm grateful for that opportunity. We're going to talk a little more about that as we get going tonight. But without further ado, we're going to continue in our series. In fact, we're going to conclude tonight our series that we've been studying in the book of Nehemiah called Moving Forward. Let me take a drink real quick. So as I said, we've been a few months in the book of Nehemiah looking at uh, what transpires as the people who are leaving exile in Babylon as they're coming back to Jerusalem and the challenges that they face. We felt like this was a timely message coming out of lockdowns, even though Israel has reinstated some of the mandates here for health reasons with masks, but we felt like Coming out of the the greater lockdowns, this was a good time for us to to begin talking about moving forward, looking forward. And we felt like Nehemiah gave us a lot of good information, a lot of good insights as to how to move forward. And if you remember, uh, we started by asking the question, where do we begin? Where do we begin when we want to move forward? And we saw that Nehemiah, he's, he's in the palace, he's serving the king. And he goes back to the word of God. He references Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 1 and 5, where Moses is talking about what will happen when they return to their land. And Nehemiah realizes that the reality of what he's hearing of what's taking place in Jerusalem doesn't equal the reality of what God said would be, that they would be prosperous in their their land. So Nehemiah began by going back to the word of God. And we saw that this moved Nehemiah to prayer. He sought the Lord. This was the next thing. He went and he began to seek the Lord in prayer. And as the Lord began to open opportunities for him, as you remember, the king asked him, what, what's, what's, what's bothering you, Nehemiah? What's going on? And Nehemiah tells him the situation and the king allows him to return to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls. And so his prayer leads to action. And then just a quick recap, last week, Pastor Wayne took us through chapter 8 of Nehemiah, and he 
concluded that chapter as they were celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles, Sukkot. They were celebrating for seven days. And Ezra is reading from the book of the law for each of the seven days of the festival. And that's where we pick up tonight. We're going to pick up in chapter 9. But Pastor Wayne said something that stuck with me, and I want to repeat it. He said, we move forward by going back to the word of God. And this is this is what we see here. Uh, when, we, when we begin, we, get, we ask the question, where do we begin? And we he see that the leaders and the people had gone back to the word of God as a starting point. They're reading the word of God publicly. Pastor Wayne talked about how the Levites were there to help the people that wouldn't understand. And then in chapter 9, it begins a few days after the celebration of Sukkot, after Feast of Tabernacles has ended, and the people are assembled and they're fasting. They're wearing sackcloth, which is a sign of mourning and repentance, and they have put dust on their heads, which is also a sign of mourning and repentance. And it says in verse nine, in chapter nine, that for part of the day they would read from the book of the law, and for part of the day they would confess their sins and the guilt of their forefathers, and they would worship the Lord. And then... We come to our first passage that I want to look at with you tonight. It's in Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 5. So if you have your devices tonight, your Bibles, if you'll turn with me to Nehemiah chapter 9, we're going to begin reading here in verse 5. And it says this, Then the Levites, well, let me back up real quick. They, the Levites had been asked to step up onto a platform that was built for them to elevate them above the people. And so the Levites had stepped up onto this platform and it says, Then the Levites, Joshua, Kadmiel, Bani, Hashbaniah, Sherebiah, Hodiah, Shebaniah, and Pethahiah, well, I'll try that one, said, Stand up, praise Yahweh your God from everlasting to everlasting. So here they're in the midst of mourning, repenting, crying out to God, wearing sackcloth there. They're, they're remembering where they're at. And then the Levites get up and tell them, stand up, praise Yahweh your God. And then they go into this very long, very long recounting in a way of the history of the people of Israel. And I'm going to read it for you. We begin in verse 5, continuing in verse 5. I'm going to read it for you. I don't have it up on the screen, but just listen to this. Beginning at the end of verse 5 of Nehemiah chapter 9. Praise your glorious name and may it be exalted above all blessing and praise. You alone are Yahweh. You created the heavens, the highest heavens with their, all their hosts, and the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them. You give life to all of them and the heavenly host worships you. You are Yahweh, the God who chose Abram you brought him out of the Ur of the Chaldeans and changed his name to Abraham. You found his faith, heart faithful in your sight and made a covenant with him to give the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Jebusites, and Girgashites to give it to his descendants. You have kept your promise for you are righteous. You saw the oppression of our ancestors in Egypt and heard their cry at the Red Sea. You performed signs and wonders against Pharaoh, all his officials, and all the people of his land. For you knew how arrogantly they treated our ancestors. You made a name for yourself that endures to this day. You divide the sea before them, and they, you divided the sea before them, and they crossed through it on dry ground. You hurled their pursuers into the depths like a stone into churning waters. You led them with a pillar of cloud by day and with a pillar of fire by night to illuminate the way they should go. 
You came down on Mount Sinai and spoke to them from heaven. You gave them impartial ordinances, reliable instructions, and good statutes and commands. You revealed your holy Sabbath to them and gave them commands, statutes, and instruction through your servant Moses. You provided bread from heaven for their hunger. You brought them brought them water from the rock for their thirst. You told them to go in and possess the land you had sworn to give them. But our ancestors acted arrogantly. They became stiff-necked and did not listen to your commands. They refused to listen and did not remember your wonders you performed among them. They became stiff-necked and appointed a leader to return to their slavery in Egypt. But you are a forgiving God, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in faithful love, and you did not abandon them. Even after they had cast an image of a calf for themselves and said, this is your God who brought you out of Egypt, and they committed terrible blasphemies, you did not abandon them in the wilderness because of your great compassion. During the day, the pillar of cloud never turned away from them, guiding them on their journey. And during the night, the pillar of fire illuminated the way they should go. You sent your good spirit to instruct them. You did not withhold your manna from their mouths, and you gave them the water for their thirst. You provided for them in the wilderness 40 years, and they lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out, and their feet did not swell. You gave them kingdoms and peoples and assigned them to be a boundary. They took possession of the land of Sihon, king of Heshbon, and the land of Og, king of Bashan. You multiplied their descendants like the stars of the heaven and brought them to the land you told your ancestors to go in and take possession of. So their descendants went in and possessed the land. You subdued the Canaanites who inhabited the land before them and handed their kings and the surrounding peoples over to them to do as they pleased with them. They captured fortified cities and fertile land and took possession of well-supplied houses, cisterns cut out of rock, vineyards, olive groves, and fruit trees in abundance. They ate, were filled, became prosperous, and delighted in your goodness. But they were disobedient and rebelled against you. They flung your law behind their backs and killed your prophets who warned them in order to turn them back to you. They committed terrible blasphemies. So you handed them over to their enemies who oppressed them. In their time of distress, they cried out to you and you heard them from heaven. In your abundant compassion, you gave them deliverers who rescued them from the power of their enemies. But as soon as they had relief, they again did what was evil in your sight. So you abandoned them to the power of their enemies who dominated them. When they cried out to you again, you heard from heaven and rescued them many times in your compassion. You warned them to turn back to your law, but they acted arrogantly and would not obey your commands. They sinned against your ordinances, which a person will live by if he does them. They stubbornly resisted, stiffened their necks, and would not obey. You were patient with them for many years, and your spirit warned them through your prophets, but they would not listen. Therefore, you handed them over to the surrounding peoples. However, in your abundant compassion, you did not destroy them or abandon them, for you are a gracious and compassionate God. Now listen to this part. So now, O God, the great, mighty, and awe-inspiring God who keeps gracious covenant, do not view lightly all the hardships that have afflicted us, our kings and leaders, our priests and prophets, our ancestors and all our people, from the days of the Assyrian kings until today. Listen, folks, you are righteous concerning all that has come on us because you have acted faithfully while we have acted wickedly. Our kings, leaders, priests, and ancestors did not obey your law or listen to your commands and the warnings you gave them. 
When they were in their kingdom with your abundant goodness that you gave them and in the spacious and fertile land you set before them, they would not serve you or turn from their wicked ways. So here, the Levites standing on this podium (laughs) as the people are mourning, read through the history of the people of Israel and remind themselves that God, while we were unfaithful, you never failed us. You were always faithful to us. You were merciful. You were kind. And while our people resisted time after time, coming back to the starting point, remember, the starting point was the word of God. And they said, he said they threw it behind them and they didn't listen to the prophets. They wouldn't come back to the starting point of God's word. But they wanted to move forward in their own direction, in their own way, and they wouldn't come back to the starting point of God's instruction. And then verse 36, here we are today. And this is the title of my message, here we are today. Slaves in the land you gave our ancestors so that they could enjoy its fruit and goodness. Here we are slaves in it. Its abundant harvest goes to the kings you have set over us because of our sins. They rule over our bodies and our livestock as they please. We are in great distress. So I want to focus on this idea. Here we are today. God, we've come back to the starting point. We're reading from your word. We're looking back at what's behind us. And we recognize that we need to follow your instruction. We know how we got here. We just read the whole story. (laughs) We know how we got to this point today. We just have to look at our history when we remember how our ancestors acted. And then verse 39 of chapter 9, excuse me, verse 38 of chapter 9. In view of all of this, we are making a binding agreement and writing on a sealed document containing the names of our leaders, Levites, and priests. So God, we've come back to the starting point, to your instruction. And today, as we move forward, we are going to put in writing what we're going to do. We don't want to remain here. We don't want to remain in this place. We want to move forward with you. But we don't want to repeat the mistakes of our forefathers. So this brings us to my first key point today. Moving forward from a starting point, and this is going to how it applies to us. Moving forward from a starting point, and in our context, we're talking about the starting point being the word of God, but in our lives, starting points can be coming back to what God has called us to. But when we move forward from a, moving forward from a starting point will require vision that looks ahead. So they said, God, we're here. We know how we got here. But we don't want to remain here. We want to, remove, we want to move forward. We've come back to the starting point of your instruction. And now we want to look ahead at where you're taking us. And we want to move forward with you. It says that the people committed themselves to the leaders by signing this document The rest of the people committed themselves by a sworn oath. And then in chapter 
10, beginning in verse 30, it lists all of the details of the vow that made before God. And I'm not going to read it, but you can go back. It's in verse 30 of chapter 10. It lists all of the, the things that they said, God, we're going to commit to this. We're going to act this way. We're not going to make those mistakes again. We're going to act rightly before you and move forward. So, so again, how does this apply to us? Why, why is coming to the starting place, why do we need vision that looks ahead? If I, if I give you an example, if I get in my car and I sit down, I turn the engine on and I put the car in drive and the car begins to move forward, my vision needs to be on what's ahead of me. <laughs> I need to be looking at what's in front of me, not looking at what's behind me. Because if my head is turned back, if I'm not paying attention to what's ahead of me, I'm going to go the wrong direction. I'm going to have an accident. I'm going to do something wrong. So moving forward from that starting point requires that we look forward to where God is leading us with hope. And this is what we see here with the exiles. They want to move forward following God. In the remainder of chapters 11, 12, and 13, we read a few things. And we're moving through a lot of chapters because we're closing out this series tonight, so I'm going to cover a lot of ground, but just stay with me. In chapter 11, he gives us a detailed accounting then of all the people that would resettle in the city of Jerusalem. They couldn't settle everyone, so they took lots. So it gives a detailed accounting of the names and the people that would resettle in Jerusalem. And then there's an accounting of those that would settle in the villages. And then in chapter 12, Nehemiah describes the ceremony as they dedicate the walls of Jerusalem that have been rebuilt and, and these processions and this grand celebration that takes place. And then in chapter 13, Nehemiah returns for a period of time to King Artaxerxes. And it tells us that he later asks for another leave from the king and he returns to Jerusalem. And it also lists in chapter 13 a few more reforms that Nehemiah himself brings about for the people that are living in Jerusalem. And I want to spend the rest of our time just focusing on something that Nehemiah says about these reforms that he does. And he says more than once in chapter 13, in fact, he says it a few times throughout the book of Nehemiah, but at least three times in chapter 13, he says this, remember me for this, my God. He says it in Nehemiah chapter 13, verse 14. He says this, remember me for this, my God, and don't erase the deeds of faithful love I have done for the house of my God and for its services And then in Nehemiah chapter 13, verse 22, remember me for this also, my God, and look on me with compassion in keeping with your abundant faithful love. And then finally in verse 30 of chapter 13, so I purified them, meaning the Levites, from every foreign and assigned specific duties to and assigned specific duties to each of the priests and Levites. I also arranged for the donation of wood at the appointed times and for first fruits. Remember me my God, with favor. So again, our theme tonight is here we are. Nehemiah's here I am, God, but remember these things that I've done with favor. And I don't, as I read this, I don't believe that what Nehemiah is expressing here is, is that he's actually fearful that God will forget. I think 
He's intelligent enough and knows the history of his people. God is not going to forget. I believe what he's doing here is he's making a declaration. He's making a declaration before God about his attitude and his resolve. God, I didn't give up when the difficulties and the challenges came. I continued on. God, I acted in a way that was in line with your instruction, with your word. I tried to do the best that I could. Now I want to remind us of something. Nehemiah had come at the allowance of his king to rebuild the wall. And he could have at any moment said, well, this is what I'm here to do and I'm done. He could have been finished. When the wall was completed, he could say, I'm done. When he heard the people crying out because they were being mistreated by their brothers, he could have said, hey, these are your problems. I'm here to build the wall. You guys go figure that out. I'm not going to get in the middle of that. But he didn't. It wasn't his attitude. Why is that? It's, I believe because Nehemiah didn't just want to see the city of Jerusalem rebuilt. He wanted to see his people thriving in their homeland as God promised through Moses. This, if we go all the way back to the beginning of this book, this was in Deuteronomy chapter 30 that he quoted that they would, they would thrive and they would be wealthier even than their forefathers in the land that I had given them. So he, he wants to see not only the city rebuilt, but he wants to see this promise of God fulfilled. And this brings me to my second point. Because I believe Nehemiah had something in his heart that was about growth, prosperity, but not prosperity for the sake of prosperity, but, but God's blessing upon his people. I believe that this desire that should be in us, and I, I put here, without a desire for growth, and this is our second point tonight, without a desire for growth, we will lose momentum as we move forward. Without a desire for growth. In other words, again, if, if all Nehemiah wanted to do was one thing and he finished it, then he could have stopped and he could have just, okay, I'm here. I'm going to stop here. I'm not going to go forward. I'm not going to grow. I'm not going to do it. But because his mentality was, there's more. There's more ahead of me. There's more to grow in. He kept his momentum. He continued forward and he talks to God and he says, God, don't forget. <laughs> don't forget. I didn't give up. I didn't say enough. I kept moving forward. You see, a desire to grow is an essential component in continuing on in our journey. It's the element that doesn't allow us to settle in. It's the element that doesn't let us just say, okay, this is good. I'm, I'm good, God. Last week, Pastor Wayne was talking about his path of continuing to learn and to study and to grow and it inspires me that as we continue to, to move forward in our life and our journey, we don't say, I know enough, but we're passionate to continue to grow, to study, to learn and grow in God's word and what he desires for us. Now, we know that things that grow produce what? Somebody said it. Say it again. Fruit. Yes. Things that grow produce 
fruit. Let me read you Psalm chapter 1 verse 2. Instead, his delight, talking of a man whose delight is in the Lord, his delight is in the Lord's instruction, our starting point. And he meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted beside streams of water that bears its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Jeremiah said it this way in Jeremiah 17, beginning in verse 7. The man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence Indeed, is in the Lord is blessed. He will be planted like a he will, plant, he will be like a tree planted by water. It sends its roots out toward a stream. It doesn't fear when heat comes, and its foliage remains green. It will not worry in a year of drought or cease producing fruit. Now, in both of these texts, the person being described—it's—it's it's not that they're just planted. <laughs> And they're receiving nourishment. They're growing. And they're producing fruit. Now, I want to take a caveat. That doesn't mean we don't come to seasons in life where we don't feel like we're growing. In fact, I think some people would say in this last season that we've come through, there might have been times when you felt like, I'm not growing, I'm not moving, I'm not doing anything. And there are seasons at times where we may not feel like we're growing, and that's okay. It's, it's not the fact that we're growing, it's the desire, it's the motivation that there's something ahead of me. I need to keep moving, I need to keep momentum. If I'm not growing now, I'll grow tomorrow. I'm moving forward. That's what's important Nehemiah was motivated by what God's word declared should be the reality. According to these scriptures, the people that are planted, these people, because they're beginning from the right starting point, they're starting. It says, he delights in the Lord's instruction. I've come to the right starting place. And because of that, they will have confidence in difficult times. It will not worry in a year of drought or cease producing fruit. It will continue to produce fruit. It will continue to move forward. So let's, let me again, let me define a little bit of what growth is here. Because sometimes we think of growth and you think, well, that's people or numbers or something like this. I want to define it tonight as this. Growth is the process of becoming the person or the people that God desires us to be. Growth is the process of becoming the person, the people that God desires us to be. We become more like him. We begin to produce fruit that is consistent with his spirit as we grow. My wife sent me a quote that I thought was very interesting and I want to share it here. It was written by an author. Um, He's written a few books. He's an author and speaker. His name is Simon Sinek. And he said this. Listen, a community is a group of people who agree to grow together. Do you hear that? A community is a group of people who agree to grow together. Two things here. First, The people agree to grow. (laughs) They agree that growth is the direction that we're moving in. 
We're moving in the direction of becoming the people that God desires us to be. So we agree on that. That's the direction we're moving in. The people agree to grow together. They're committed to walking with one another on the journey. This is what discipleship is. They're committed to walking this journey together. John Maxwell said this about a growth mindset. He said, growth in the natural world is all about looking forward. A sapling becomes a mighty oak by growing slowly over time. An infant grows into a child who eventually becomes an adult. Hope is the same way. It looks forward. When we have hope, we can imagine a better future. And hope isn't just wishing for things that might be. It's the firm belief in things that will be. It's looking past your present circumstances with belief that you have a future. Planting the seed of growth is not complicated. It's as simple as a change of mindset. When we decide to believe that growth is possible and commit to pursuing it, hope begins to rise. The change in focus is only the first step, but it can bring the beginning of a long and rewarding journey. And this is a journey I believe we all want to be on. Amen? We want to be growing into the people that God desires us to be. So I want to come back to our first key point. Moving forward from a starting point will require vision that looks ahead. We can't afford to stop and look back at the past, even though it might have been amazing. (laughs) Even though it might be wonderful. There's something ahead of us. There's something that God wants to do in us. I, I love to reminisce I really do, but then I'll share your story in a second. I was thinking of an example as a parent. As a parent, you know, I have three children. My oldest is 12, so we've only gone through a few stages. <laughs> but with each stage with our children, there came a point in which you think you figured out how to parent that age. At least, you know, you think you got a handle on it maybe. And you say, I don't want you to grow right now anymore. I want you to stay right here because I think we figured this out and I don't want it to change because we're, we're doing pretty good right now. I don't want it to change. But no matter how much I want that to be true, it, it, it won't happen. My children are going to continue to grow. They're going to continue to develop. And I want to walk that journey with them. I was saying about reminiscing. I found it interesting, I was thinking about this, that sometimes when we think about what's in head, we think about like a line, like any, anybody ever painted the, uh, the infinite road or drawn, like drawn a drawing course, you draw the infinite road that goes off into the distance and disappears into the sunset in a drawing class. And that's how sometimes we think about this, about moving forward, it's this infinite line that just keeps going in a direction. But what I thought about is sometimes... What's behind us will come back to be in front of us again. Sometimes things will come back around again. I'll give you an example. When I was in my 20s, I was very much involved in music uh, production. I was writing a lot of songs. A friend of mine, we were very active and... I was about 23 and I felt really strongly that the Lord was calling me to pastoral ministry. And so I made a a huge transition and uh, took 
an associate pastor role at the congregation that I grew up in. And I told the Lord, I'll put all these things aside because I think you're leading me in this direction. And so for the better part of 20 years, I put a lot of those things off to the side to follow the direction the Lord was leading me in at that moment, to follow his call on my life. And the Lord led me and my wife in many different directions. And it wasn't always straight. It was kind of over here. But what's amazing to me is today at three o'clock, we released the song that I wrote with Brigitta. After 20 years, (laughs) after 20 years, what was behind me came back around again and God put it in front of me again and he opened the door and gave me an opportunity to do it again. So sometimes we think, you know, we look back and we think, wow, I'm going to miss that. But sometimes those things God will bring back again in front of us. It's not always a straight line. So, our theme. Here we are today. How should we move forward? I want to close tonight. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. And I'm going to just close by reviewing a few, what I felt like were some key points to help us as we approach this question. Here we are, Lord. Here we are today. Here's some of the lessons that we learned as we've studied through Nehemiah. First one, when we are faced with the questions like, where do we begin? Where do we go from here? Let's first go back to what God commanded. Let's go back to what God promised. Let's go back to his word. Let's study his word and his instruction and get the insight of the Holy Spirit and we can find that starting place. Again, I want to commend our brothers from Honduras. I want to commend your nation. You went back to what the word of God said. Amen? And he said, this is the starting point. And this is where we will move forward from. Amen. Amen. And I want, again, be committed. So let's, when we're, when we're in that position, where do we go from here? Where do we begin? Let's come back to the word of God. This is our starting point. And let's seek insight from the Holy Spirit. When we experience or we sense a gap between what God commanded And what God promised. When we read from the word of God that he said this is the promise. And we don't see that the reality in our world. When we don't see that. Let that be something that moves us. To what I call the holy discontent. Lord something needs to change. How can you use me? How can you use me to be a part of what you're doing to make change in the world around us? Not motivated by my desires, but God, I want to be motivated by your desires. And then let those motivations, let that move us to prayer. We have many opportunities here. I encourage you, if you're in town, go up and visit Ann during the week in the, in the summit and different times in the week. Spend time in prayer in your own life, but also come and I, I will tell you, I, I'm there once a week with Ann and it's invaluable to me. I was just telling Ann this week, how many times the Lord has confirmed things for me as we're just praying and reading the word of God and singing. 
that God has confirmed things for me in that space. I encourage you, if you have time, talk to Anne tonight. and She can find out when she's there. But come up to the summit on the 14th floor. So let that move us to prayer. Let us have an attitude of being his servants, knowing that he will position us to be a part of what he is doing. But as we begin to move forward on this journey with God, let our eyes be on what is ahead of us. Let's not try to dwell in the past, but let's look to the future. Let's not look to the right now, but let's look to where God is taking us. Because what we know, folks, is where God is taking us is a good place. Listen to all the words that the Levites said. God, even though we messed up and we didn't follow your word, you were always faithful. You were always leading us to a good place, even though we didn't listen. And finally, let our desire to continually be growing in him be the momentum. Let that be the thing that gives us the momentum that propels us forward in our journey with him. We don't stop and say, God, this is good enough. Please just leave me alone. We say, God, I want to move further with you. I want to grow with you. I want to continue on in this journey with you and go where you're leading me. Amen? Amen. Well, I want to pray for us tonight. And we'll close with a song. I've asked Brigitte to close with the song we did earlier, I Am Who You Say I Am. I am chosen, not forsaken. I'm looking ahead. I am who you say I am. I, I've, I've got a future, God, and I know it. You've promised it. And you are with me. So, Father, tonight we thank you. We thank you for these words from Nehemiah that are recorded, God. We know that you don't forget. Father, we thank you for the lessons that we can glean, the things that we can learn from your people, from their history. And Father, we we pray that you would continue to grow us, you would continue to teach us, that you would continue to help us. And Father, I pray that we would be reminded the most important thing is not what we are doing. The most important thing is what you're doing in us. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you that we know on the other side of the mountain is a good land. (laughs) We know that where you're leading us is an eternity with you. We thank you for this. In Yeshua's name. Amen. Lord bless you tonight.